Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening, welcome to Eyewitness News, coming to you live from our studios here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Salom Adonu, tonight I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. Coming up over the next 90 minutes. Where we were strong men working, the TUC and the ad- all the other unions were there to protect us. Now that we are old, we don't have anybody to protect. Following the amended and restated exchange memorandum, which wrote in individual bondholders, we pensioners who hold government of Ghana bonds have come together through this forum to petition your office to exempt all pensioners. Well, uh, teacher unions give government February deadline to pay their tier two pension contribution or face their wrath. They say government has defaulted since March 2022. Uh, still on eyewitness news as deadline for domestic debt exchange approaches. Three major groups have signed up for the program. We'll find out what is happening between government and individual bondholders who have refused to sign up. They are currently meeting the finance minister. Also coming up on eyewitness news tonight, we'll bring you the latest on the yellow CC watch food poisoning incident uh, that has claimed five lives so far. FDA, we understand, is started investigating the incident. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. An economist, Professor Godfred Bokwin, says it is crucial for government to adjust its fiscal measures. Otherwise, it will have no justification to include individual bondholders in the domestic debt exchange program. There is more on business in the next 50 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe at citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. You can follow me on Twitter at Selom. I don't know the hashtag as always is City Newsroom. Nashika gives us our very first story. Now, four teacher unions have given the government up till the end of February 2023 to pay its contributions to the Ghana Education Service Occupational Pension Scheme, Tier 2. The unions are the Ghana National Association of Teachers, the National Association of Graduate Teachers, the Coalition of Concerned Teachers, and the Tertiary Educational Workers Union. They say although governments deduct these contributions, Every month from their salaries, it is in arrears of over 400 million Ghana cities as payment has not been made since the last payment, which was in March 2022. The national president of the Coalition of Concerned Teachers, Ken Ali Awudu, spoke on behalf of the unions. The money is not for government. It is we our salary. That governments are taking 5% from it. And government has failed to pay the money to the general education service occupational pension scheme so that the money will be invested to yield returns. And what we are saying is that what government is doing is a cheat and it is an affront to our future pensions. The total amount involved is over 433 million Ghana cities. And we are giving the ultimatum of February 2023 that if at the end of February 2023, the money is not paid to the education service of patient pension scheme for investment. We are going to stop the payment of fees to the uh, National Pension Regulatory Authority, which is
is a regulator. That was Shanti Regional Director of the Ghana Education Service, Dr. William Kwame Amankwa, up here. Let's get some more information on this. Uh, we, we joined on a line by Thomas Musa, who is General Secretary of the uh, Ghana National Association of Teachers. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Can you tell us really um, how you got to know that, you know, government is defaulted in, in paying your pension contributions since March 2022? So thank you very much. Good evening. Good evening to yourself and to your listeners. And, you know, any time the money is paid, this issue is recorded. So it is a public knowledge. It's not something that you can I control. You know it's from controller. If they pay the money, we are always notified when the money is paid. Now, as far back as March, or let's say, yes, March, when the money was paid, from April up to this time, the money has not been paid. Even the March one was paid somewhere in January. December, January, thereabouts. And it's important to place these issues on record or in perspective. Number one, the tier two pension is about what you call the defined contribution. And therefore, drives on investment. When the money comes and it is invested, then it simply means that when the worker is going home, the worker can go home with something. That is why we have in Section 63 of the law, it provides us. It provides that once, you, once the employer deducts the money, 14 days after the following month, that money should be paid to the various schemes or to the scheme to invest the money to get it down so that when the worker is going home, the worker can go home handsomely. Section 64 provides that should the employer fail, the fail, fail rather to invest the money or pay the money to the scheme rather. The employer is supposed to pay Three percent penalty on them, and as we speak now, since April to now, government has not remitted that money to our base to the scheme called the GISOS. So the question is, if the worker, if the teacher goes on retirement today, what is going to happen is that the scheme can only pay the teacher up to March 2022. The rest of the month to be in arrears. So as the when government says, the teacher will be paid, and we think that is not the way to go. Every month, we have not less than 36 million Ghana cities to the sea. And this money, these monies are not going. So what happens to our investments and all that? And we are telling the NPRA, they are to ensure that we all comply with the law. And to the extent that they are not ensuring that, we've given them up to April and February ending. If they don't collect all our money for us from March onwards, we will not pay anything to them again. And we will find our ways of collecting our money at the same time. So that these are the issues. Uh, the I total see. amount in our is four hundred and thirty three million guarantees. And that includes the, 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 the penalty, the three percent penalty you, you just mentioned from um, section sixty four yes, yes. of the yes, of the act yes. you see. Yes, we added a penalty. If you add a penalty, it amounts to four hundred and thirty three million guarantees. 379,819 Ghana I see. And you're saying that if, uh, by February, government doesn't pay, you will, you will, you will stop the payment. How do you stop that? The payment is made at, the deduction is made at source. Is that not so? Exactly. You know what we simply mean is the MPRE, we pay fees to them every month as a result of the work that they are doing. All the schemes pay fees to them. 
We are saying that to the extent that the money was not paid in April, paid in May, June, July, up to this particular time, it means that the NPA has not done its work to the schemes. And for that matter, they don't deserve to be paid. And we are not going to pay them for much if they don't get the money. Oh, so the, the, the payment you hope to stop is the payment to MPRA, not the, exactly. the deduction yes. uh, for, of, the, of the contribution from your salaries. And, no, it's when the money comes. Uh, let me explain this. When the money comes, we pay fees to MPRA as a result of the work that the MPRA is doing for the various things. Because uh, the MPRA is the regulator. Okay? And certain percentage of our money goes to MPRA as a result of the work that they are doing. And to some extent, we can call them the referee. They, uh, they are, MPRA is the referee within the pension industry. They regulate all of us to ensure that we all play according to the rules of the game. And we are saying that since they are to ensure compliance with the law, and they are not doing it, and they are looking up for government to be violating the rules of engagement, that's simply we cannot be paying fees when uh, we have not been paid. And so for much, we will stop paying. And we'll find ways of collecting our money at the same time. I see. So since you discovered that government has been in IRS uh, for about nine months, what have you done? Have you engaged your sector minister? Have you engaged government, you know, uh, um, on this matter at all? Several letters have been written. Several complaints have been launched, not only with the Ministry of Employment and Labor Relations, even to the Ministry of Finance. We have done all that we should do. And always this thing will be in IRS. The moment we start talking, the one month we pay, they will call us and tell us that, look, we should hold on. They agreed everything to pay three, four, five months. The moment we agree, they will pay one month, and then they will go back to their old ways. And this time we are saying, look, no, enough is enough. The teacher cannot go, go on retirement today. Then you pay him up to much. The team can only pay him up to much. Then we tell the teacher that, look, go home. After when government pays the month of April, we will pay you your money. It cannot be. What happens to the investment? We t- it's unacceptable. And we are starting with the NPI. We are telling them that should the money not be paid by the month, by the end of February, then they should know that there are fees that they are entitled to from the month of March will not be paid. Because normally they have not done anywhere to ensure that the money, uh, the money should be paid to the, uh, our scheme. But we will certainly find ways of ensuring that our money are paid to the scheme. I see. Um, uh, Thomas Musa, General Secretary of the Ghana National Association of Teachers, thanks so much for uh, speaking to us on Eyewitness News. God bless you. Yes. Um, now let me go to the other line and speak to uh, Bright Reku Brobe, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister in Charge of Employment and Labor Relations. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Has this concern of the teacher unions come to your desk? Hello, good evening and good evening to cherished listeners. Yes, uh, I saw a press release yesterday, and uh, for me, uh, I think that uh, I am taken aback a bit because these are issues that are not new to us, and we keep resolving them. And I, I, I wanted uh, to even have asked Musa the rationale for taking this to the public domain. However, You've left him off the hook, so I would not want to go there. But my, my regards to him, I'm sure he's probably listening to us. Yes, I will, I, no, he, he will join us back, so just make your point. Yes. My attention was drawn to it this morning. And like, like I'm saying, it is tight. I mean, who doesn't know that we are in financial crisis now? Everybody is aware. And 
what matters most is for us to be able to pay every worker at the end of the month. And that's what we do. You know, pension has a history. We contribute to it and it's for future. In this difficult time, what is important is that every month, every worker must be paid. So, I mean, from the time it was made known to everybody that we have financial difficulties, workers have not complained that they have not been paid. In fact, we have paid them and paid them timelessly since the time of COVID to date. And so the matter of pension is not uh, too much problematic because we contribute, of course, invested and it's for future. Anytime they raise it, we try to look for money and pay some, and then we are in arrears. We admit we are in arrears, but that is not a matter which uh, should escalate to media level for us to discuss. It's like somebody owing you and the person acknowledging that I owe you. If the person acknowledges I owe you, what next? We sit down and look at agreements and how we pay. It, it, it's not uh, criminal in, 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 in any case. So I plead... But well, once you flout the, the, the law, uh, there's a criminal aspect of it. Because if it were just an ordinary or a private uh, employer, you know, you would have taken that employer on, you know, in a criminal sense. So, so I'm not sure about you saying it's not criminal, but that's fine. Um, is, it a, is it your case that... Is, is it a point, is it your case that because you are in financial difficulties, you, 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 you make the deductions anyway, but the deductions go into something else? Is that the point you're seeking to make? No, it is not the case that we are not paying. We pay. And this is not the first time. We have been in arrears. And this is not the first time. Anytime we, we, we are in arrears and we meet and we pay, all those kinds of calculations are made. So I, I don't know if you, you have heard of the adage in account that abide the other car and your problem. And yet they abide the chair. But the time but, but but time is of essence and we are talking about time investment is of here. Essence. Yes. And that is why we continue to engage them. We have not left them, you know, just for them to limbo. We are engaging them at all times. Anytime a letter comes, my minister Rabu Bafewa will bring it to me. That's what's happening. Let's pull out the controller. We do so, and the, the shortest possible time, any resource available, we make it at the disposal of persons for the tier two, especially. So, please, I, I beg them, we should engage them. We acknowledge that we are in arrears. There's no problem. Let's sit down and see how they, we are pleading with the tannish. Everybody knows. It's not a secret that we are saying that we are in difficult times. So I plead with my teacher union. We will start engaging them next week and see how we can be, you know, bridging the gap small, small. So what happens to the, the, the investment yield if this money were invested? For example, they state that the resultant danger of this situation is the educational worker is being denied any investment value of his or her contribution. The monies are invested. So if this 400, four, 400 million, in excess of 400 million, cities they are talking about were invested, I'm sure they would have made some good returns on that. If government is paying them, will government pay them, you know, uh, uh, together with the returns they would have made if the money were invested? Salom, I'm telling you that this is no news to us. I mean, I mean, the ministry and the labor unions. There has been times that we, I mean, all the way from 2010 even to 2016, we worked out and paid. So it is not something that government will renounce. 
Yeah, I just want, I, I just want to understand the payment of the of the money itself. Maybe let me call it the principal. Yes, government will pay because like your account added says government, government government has always paid. So government works out an investment value or percentage and pays. And, and interest and interest sell off. I'm telling you that government has always paid principal and we work interest and pay. So it is no news. You can ask all the unions. I mean the university pensions they come all of that pension. We pay principal and work interest and pay equally. Mm, I see. Uh, Mr. Musa is back on the line. You called you call for him. So, uh, Mr. Musa, welcome back to the program. Uh, your, your colleague, the Deputy Minister, uh, Brian Vokubrobe, is saying that this, you've been at this before and, and this is no news and that he's actually surprised that, you know, you actually did not engage them before running to the media. What, what do you say to that? Uh, please, I think it, it must be placed on record that the teacher unions have always engaged. And I believe that the Honorable Minister, who is our own friend and brother, is aware. We've been talking about this particular thing. The concern here is that the teachers who are going on retirement in this particular month and this year onwards, what is good? we can only pay them up to March 2022. The reason being that the only amount of money that has been paid to us it's up to much. The rest of the month, the teacher cannot be paid because nothing has been nothing has been remitted from government to the scheme. But, 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 but Mr. Musa, yes, if I may ask, you know, you, you, you have, I mean, until March 2022, every month government has been paying, which means that you have quite a lot of money in investment. No, Why no, can't no, you no, pay? It doesn't work that way. It mm. doesn't work. See, the money belongs to the individual. And so, let, look, you have coffee, armor, and all that. So when the money is paid, you invest it in the interest and in the names of all these people. So that when coffee is going on retirement, you check as to how much the coffee has contributed in up to which particular month. So you cannot pay one person if the person has contributed up to much. Please, can I finish? Yes, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You see, if the, if, if the money has been paid up to March, how can, how can the teacher be paid up to January? It's not possible. Very well. But government says that you guys have been at this before, and every time government finds a way of paying, working out interest, etc., and government pays, government never defaults, government never owes. So you've been, you've been at this before. Is that not correct? Look, we have been meeting on this particular... I indicated to you, okay? I, I don't want to go into details regarding this particular matter. But the thing is this, any time we meet, we'll be told that, oh, the money will be paid. Even though the money is in arrears about five, six months, then one month will be paid. Controller will come and give us that assurance. But this particular time, the thing has gotten to a certain level that if we do not talk, it's creating problems for the scheme. It's creating problems. And, and I, I heard the minute, honor, my own brother and honorable minister saying that the 3%, I don't know whether he's claiming that the 3% was paid. Please, is that is that the record that the uh, honourable minister is saying? Uh, no, the three the, the three percent is is the penalty. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it, it, government doesn't pay. Okay, but he's saying that government works out an interest on the principal and pays the interest. Then we are yet to be informed about that. The records we have that those monies are normally not paid. I, I I see. He, he's on the line. So let, let's let's. Penalty is not the government doesn't pay. If government, then let them, let them show us the evidence that they pay the penalty. 
I, I see. So, honorable, I mean, he says that you've, ne you've never paid anything on it. Even if you did, they've never been aware. But you say that government finds a way of working things out in government peace. Fellow, where, where I sit in government, I deputize to honorable Bafnuba. We are very much conscious and discreet when it comes to some of these things. We have always had discussions and we always make sure there is peace on the labor front. Sinamusa, if there are issues that we have to discuss regarding these kinds of, any time we bring to our attention, we make sure we invite the necessary parties and resolve them. The point I'm making here is that it is not a matter that cannot be resolved. And therefore, there's no, I mean, everybody knows that we are in crisis. We have not hidden that one. We have financial difficulties. And sometimes prioritizations are even key. We have to look at where livelihood and we will not lose lives and all that. So please, let's, I, I'll be happy if we stop this engagement on there and then look at this matter and resolve it. And that, that's why I said, no worker can say that at the end of the month, he or she is not paid. We try to do so. The rest of these kinds of uh, investments and pensions and so on, they will be resolved and they have been resolved at all times. So thank you very much, Nemusa. Uh, Next week, God willing, we, 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 we will invite you and then see how best we can resolve this matter. We can't do it on radio. We cannot. Very well. So, so, so that's the assurance you, you're giving to the teacher. So, Mr. Musa, that has, that's the assurance government is giving to you. It says, come around the table. You guys have the, the discussion and, and your, your concerns will, will be addressed. That should yeah, really so be some good you. news to you. Yeah, thank you very much, Salam. God bless you. I think... Uh, but, honorable, thank you very much. I believe that we will ensure the money... Yeah, thank you very much. All right, thank you very much too. Uh, so that was Thomas Musa, General Secretary of the Ghana National Association of Teachers, and also you had the uh, Deputy uh, Minister for Employment and Labour Relations, Bright Rekul Brobe. He says that government has been at this before with the teachers, and so every time uh, they find a way of, of solving it. So he's asking them to come around the table. He's he extended an investigation, uh, to, uh, an invitation to them. Um, Nashika has some more stories. Right, Salam. Now, officials of the Ghana Education Service in the Shanti region say they will embark on counseling services for students of the Kobia Asante Technical and Vocational Institute when the school reopens. The GES says it is working with the Ghana Technical and Vocational Education Training Service to deploy guidance and counseling coordinators at the school to advise students following recent disturbances. 39 students have been remanded for their alleged role in the disturbances at the school which led to the destruction of properties while a five-member committee is set set up by the Shanti Regional Coordinating Council has begun investigations into the incident. Speaking during a regional education performance review forum at the Shanti Regional Director of the GES, Dr. William Kwame Amankwapia says such interventions will be extended to all senior high schools in the region. We have to cancel them. Parents and counseling. Yes, we've been there. Yes, a couple of times. We have to counsel them, advise them, give them positive. We have to give them positive. Uh, uh, we have a lot of guidance and counseling code. Just like Kobiasante, we are in touch with the we are in touch with the TV people, so that we can we can send a lot of counselors to go and advise the children. 
That was the Shanti Regional Director of the Ghana Education Service, Dr. William Kwame Amankwa Apia. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. A few of your messages uh, that have been coming through on the stories we've been bringing to you so far. Daniel Akpaliok from Sandema says, if this government wants Ghanaians to take them seriously with respect to the debt restructuring program, the finance minister must be, fi- must be fired, you say. Uh, he can't lead us into this economic crisis and expect bondholders to allow him to use their funds for the so-called debt restructuring program. Uh, the elephant size of the government must also be cut down drastically to show some level of seriousness on the part of government. Teachers have been taken for granted for far too long. Um, Zalex Duane in London says this government is a failure. Um, Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM will take a short break, return, and look at the subject of the debt exchange program and the three major groups that have signed up for the uh, debt exchange program. Eyewitness News, don't go away. Eyewitness News, be there as it happens. You're welcome back. Let's now do some other stories. Former President John Dramani Mahama has called for adjustments to government's domestic debt exchange program to safeguard the banking and financial sector. The invitation to exchange old domestic bonds with new terms has been introduced by government to create some fiscal space and avoid debt defaults as the country faces tough economic conditions. The terms of the exchange program, though, has seen resistance across various investor communities with many calling for reforms. Speaking on Africa's strategic priorities and global role at Chatham House in London, the former president reiterated calls for adjustments to be made to the current form of the debt exchange program. To achieve Africa's Agenda 2063 goals, we must let the world buy into Africa's priorities and global rule. In most cases, we have simply squandered these opportunities. Ghana, my country, also comes to mind here. In a little under six weeks from today, Ghana will mark 66 years of nationhood. Far from being an occasion to celebrate independence and the successes and achievements of nationhood, we will mark this day under the yoke of the worst economic situation uh, arguably in our history. We're currently bankrupt and burdened with a national debt we are simply unable to pay. You may have learned over the past week the Ghanaian government has defaulted on servicing of both external and domestic debt. There's currently a huge uproar over a controversial debt restructuring program by which the middle class of Ghana could be wiped out if plans to have them forfeit proceeds of government bonds on which they rely for investment and sustenance are followed through. In absolute terms, up to about 6 million people could be deprived of their life savings and investments. Ghana's banking and financial sector could also be under threat of insolvency if not no suitable adjustments are made to the debt restructuring plan. He also also called for broader stakeholder engagement between the finance ministry and the domestic investor community. The debt restructuring, there should be more dialogue. I noticed that the period has been extended. I think this is about the third time. And one wonders if we'll be able to meet that deadline by the end of uh, January. And the point is, the longer it delays, the more the danger that we'll not be able to uh, go to the IMF board when it meets uh, somewhere towards the spring. And so this thing must be speeded up, and the only way it can be speeded up if the finance minister climbs down his high horse and is prepared to sit with the bondholders and discuss it and reach a consensus. That was former President John Dramani Mahama. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let's now speak to... 
uh, Professor Gofred Bopin, who is an economist uh, at the University uh, of Ghana. Hello, good evening, Prof. Welcome to the program. The deadline for the DDE program has been extended to January 31. Given that three major groups, uh, that is the, uh, the Association of Banks, the Ghana Insurance Association and the Securities Industry Association have all signed up. Uh, what indication do you get? Do you think that government will go ahead and implement the program? Would they be able to reach the 80% threshold or do you think that the date will be further extended? Yeah, thank you very much and good evening to your to our cherished uh, listeners. Yes, I think that the momentum is on the side of government now, given that uh, the banks are on board the security, during, yes, that's, that's, that's good news for government. But actually, it's not good news that we can celebrate. Because all that we have done is to impoverish our own people, okay, looking the financial sector. And we cannot celebrate that one as an achievement. But of course, given that we need to do some level of debt restructuring that we all agree, but not not the kind of debt restructuring we are seeing right now, we will say that um, um, it, it could have been better. But that said, you also see that uh, industry players have made some gains. If you look at the original debt exchange that was announced in, on December 5th, 2022, the level of losses that would have to be accommodated by the financial institutions was was very huge. With the pushback, government amended that. And then also with a, a stronger pushback, another amendment was done. So if you look at the third um, uh, uh, amendment and the final one that the financial institutions are, are buying into, you could see that it's, it's, it's a, it has improved Okay, and probably lessen the burden on, 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 on those participating financial institutions compared to the original one. So we'll say that to that extent, the, 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 the pushback and, 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 and the alarm that was raised about how the debt exchange was going to systematically weaken the financial sector. And if you look at it with banks alone, with the original one, the, the impairment, them. in fact, the overall loss to the banks was going to be more than 80%. Right. Then if you look at the second one, it reduces the loss a bit, but it was still very high. If you look at the third one, and also given that they are using a much discount, lower discount rate of up to 20%, between 15 to 20%, that also lessens the, 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 the burden a bit on the banks compared to the original one. That said, where the, the problem is, is uh, where the problem is is where the cause of the current problem also is. The the the, the current debt induced macroeconomic instability is to be blamed largely on the fiscal side. The fiscal side that is contributing to that problem or is causing that problem is actually doing minimum, very, very small. To that extent it shifts the burden of the of the fiscal of the adjustment in restoring debt sustainability uh, 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 disproportionately on creditors. Meanwhile, the approach that one would have recommended would have been a triangle approach of fiscal adjustment, probably at the base, structural adjustment, and then debt restructuring. But because the fiscal adjustment is doing so small 
and structural adjustment is practically zero as we speak, the, 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 the bulk of the burden is loaded on creditors. And that is not fair. That is not equitable. In fact, we could, we, Ministry of Finance could still meet its deadline and say that maybe 70% salandering or 80% and we still decide that let's exclude individual bondholders. We cannot celebrate this as an achievement. Okay, because we are paying so much in order to have that macroeconomic stability uh, 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 inbuilt in the IMF program. Okay, so, but one would have expected that the Ministry of Finance, together with government, would actually take bold steps to cut expenditure. Because if you analyze the 2023 budget, you don't get the impression that this is totally an, an, an austerity budget. This, this is a budget government understanding of the challenges and the reality on the ground. Because government is not going to spend as though all is okay, all is normal. Okay, so there's considerable room for expenditure-based fiscal adjustment. In other words, there's considerable room in the 2023 budget and beyond to cut down on expenditure without hurting growth. Because there are some expenditure cuts that would actually inure to growth rather than inhibiting growth. And that is where we are. Too much wasteful spending still in the 2023 budget. Until we fix that, then bondholders or creditors will have to shoulder beyond what sustainably they will be able to bear. And that is unfortunate for us. Talking about expenditures that you think uh, uh, could be uh, uh, rationalized or realigned, what, what, what comes to mind immediately? What part of government's expenditure do you think government can, can say, okay, we want to go slow on this one, I want to put this on hold because of the current circumstances we find ourselves in. Indeed, yeah. you have just said that the budget, it, it should, it's as if, I mean, we are in normal times. Government is planning to spend the way it's been spending all along. Which parts of government's expenditure do you suggest government could put a hold on for now? Some time ago, the discussion about which expenditure to cut wasn't quantified. Of course, we had a fair idea, but just look at the, 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 the output of the technical committee that the Minister of Finance set up with reps from Ministry of Finance. When you read that report, you see the level of um, expenditure cut that they have proposed and then additional revenue enhancement measures which have been, have been costed, actually. Is it a so, technical, the technical committee uh, report between yes. the GOG and individual bondholders? Is that the report you're referring to? Yes. Okay. And 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 that that quite broad, but the specifics are also in there. Do you know something? As we speak right now, practically our ministers are not doing anything. Mm. What are they doing? What have they done from the beginning of the year to now? Because money is not flowing. Okay. So <laughs> our ministers are practically on holiday. So so in crisis moment like this, a good leader, you will sit down and ask yourself which critical ministries. And ministers should I keep? And which ones can I sacrifice in hard times like this? So that when things improve, we could come back to the normal. That is what leadership is all about. So until leadership internalizes the austerity, you, 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 you're going to struggle to get bondholders to the table the way one would have expected. So under the circumstances, it's very difficult to say bondholders should, should come to the table. But the exclusion of bondholders may also offer a bigger leverage to government in carrying on with the excessive spending. 
what one would recommend would have been the participation of individual bondholders, probably with the exclusion of those pensioners, because they are much more vulnerable. We could do mean testing and look at with, with micro data and, and do some kind of segregation, right? But then we they only participate on certain terms. And just as the government is proposing terms for the debt exchange, their participation should also be based on certain terms. And those terms would entail governance and fiscal reforms. Otherwise, they will not participate. And that is the way to go. Because Ghana's problem is largely governance. It is a governance problem that manifests explicitly in economic mismanagement. So we cannot have an IMF program alone and, and, and think that the problem will be solved. And that's why we've had one too many of such programs, and yet we keep going to the fund. Because the problem must also be tackled comprehensively from both the structural perspective and then the, 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 the governance reforms. For, so, for instance, do we need all the ministries? In times like this, the answer will be no. Okay, and if we make some of the ministries, collapse some of them, you, you will recall some savings. Then again, if you look at the level of expenditure in, in the budget, actually it has gone up significantly. Okay, so in, in hard times like this, can we, should we accommodate this level of capital expenditure? Maybe the answer will be no. Maybe, so we can look at it across different layers and the economic classifications as captured in the appendix to the budget. And I'm sure if government means well, and government actually puts the interests of the common people at the, at the heart of policy prescription, it will not be so hard to look for where to cut in order to ease the burden on creditors. Remember, it's possible to look at individual bondholders and say this is how much they have lent to Ghana, and for that reason they are rich. No, some of them may just, it may just be that some have invested so small, some have done this and all of that as part of consumption smoothing, as part of uh, 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 financial planning and all of that. So we cannot and we should not, uh, 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 in the name of restoring the balance sheet of the public sector, we should be very careful we don't systematically erode the balance sheet of the household and the private sector. Remember, Ghana's future does not lie with the public sector. Is a private sector that can be the engine of growth. And, and if you apply this debt exchange in its current form across private sector and households, how, how does that in the medium to the long term lend itself to, to easing the restrictions on the growth drivers of the economy? So you want to have a good balance. And a good balance that says that the fiscal that is heavily loaded with expenditure is actually not growth enhancing expenditure. So can we free up space through greater expenditure cuts so that we are able to preserve the balance sheet of the private sector, particularly financial institutions, banks? So if banks are going to record liquidity losses because all the coupons will not materialize this year and next year and subsequently, that is going to affect lending to the private sector. Already remember, if we ended 2023-22, with inflation of 54.1%. And in the 2023 budget, government is hoping to reduce inflation to 18.9%. That is over 12 months. That's a lot of work. Okay, that would also require monetary tightening. Again, the sacrifice will be growth. The sacrifice will be job creation. No, we are discussing this thing at a time when Ghana actually needs to invest 
significantly in, 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 in reducing the restrictions on the growth drivers of the economy. Our population by 2040, we are told by forecast that it will reach 45 million. By 2014, 58% of Ghana's population, they will be less than 30 years. They would have been those who would have exited the tertiary institution, entering the labor market, looking for jobs that probably may only exist in textbooks. So, so when you have such frictions in the market, in the labor market, then merely changing the academic curriculum in the universities actually doesn't solve the problem. You could actually ask everybody to major in job creation or employment, and they will still finish and go out there, and they will be unemployed. We need to have complementarity, okay, so that whilst, whilst we revise the curriculum in the, in the tertiary institutions, there's greater reform, both in the product market, in the in industry, fiscal governance, to ensure that the private sector that is engine of growth and job creation capacity of the economy actually has that space to be able to uh, uh, optimize their participation in the market. I, I see. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that the, the, the GOG Individual Bondholders Forum report and, and some of the suggestions they made. In, in terms of fiscal readjustments, interesting, interesting suggestions. But it appears to me that a lot of these suggestions are things which we've all spoken about in the past. Indeed, government has even mentioned these in budget. They are things which are not so easy to do. And government is looking for maybe the low-hanging fruits to help deal with this situation. So, for example, they say that um, government could raise $1.1 billion if it expedites reforms to enforce property taxes. We've spoken about this many times. So, with landed yeah. properties of circa $2.2 in in Ghana, we anticipate that achieving an average annual rate of 1,000 CDs per property at a collection efficiency of 50% will yield the government over 1.1 billion in revenue. Government know this. Government has been talking about this, but government has not been able to do this. Uh, another one, which uh, the group says could raise 5.6 billion. So government should exercise its right under the uh, Arke Petroleum Agreement to repossess the block or compel the immediate commencement of development by the contractor you know another one says that uh another one supposed to or which is likely to raise 3.6 billion they say uh, is oil production this oil production has dropped from over uh 200 uh, uh, barrels per day to uh, 200,000 barrels per day to below 160,000 barrels per day yield revenue loss more than 300 million dollars which is 3.6 billion in 2022. And they say that the government should, as a matter of urgency, review the regulatory and fiscal environment to encourage existing producers to ramp up production and develop new fields. These are, these are fantastic things, right? But it doesn't appear yeah. that our government will do the hard work to achieve this right now in this situation. They may see this to be long term or see this to be too difficult to do now. For example, uh, expediting reforms to ensure to enforce property taxes. Can they do these things right now in this situation to raise the money to deal with the debt situation on our hands? These some are in the medium to the long term. Some can also bring immediate relief. So, for instance, when it comes to uh, capital expenditure, CAPEX, when it comes to uh, uh, energy sector indebtedness, and we, we, are, we have budgeted over 20 billion cities in that area, right? So if government wants to do the right thing, it can be done. 
so as so those those that are extremely low hanging fruit that you can do within three months, six months, you will harvest some savings from them and applying those savings will ease the burden on, on creditors. What we are doing is not so different from the slave mentality we did so many centuries ago when all that we're doing was just to sell our own people for just a, a, a cup of snap, sugar, sugar, powder, whatever, and all of that. If truly, we, we our understanding is that human beings are the hard policy formulation and implementation, you would, you would be very careful where and where to cut and what and what and what to apply so that you don't necessarily expose households and the private sector to, 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 to greater risk. And that's exactly what we are doing. We, we, we are okay to preserve all these things, continue our lifestyle, and, and then impoverish households and the private sector. No, we can't do that. The business of government is not to have a large government size. The business of government is to adopt a lean government that frees up space to invest to, in creating the enabling environment for private sector to thrive. How, how does all these things lend to, lend to uh, a private sector leadership? And we are talking about the MPP that believes so much in property-owning democracy and the private sector as the engine of growth. That's contradictory. I, I see. In fact, CDD itself has done some work, uh, just trying to work out the numbers, how much ministers are paid, and the suggestions that some ministries uh, be, 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 be uh, dissolved. For example, they say the Ministry of Public Enterprises should be dissolved, Ministry of Parliamentary Affairs dissolved, Ministry of Railways be dissolved, Ministry of Fisheries and Aquaculture be reintegrated with the Ministry of Agric, uh, Ministry of Sanitation and Water Resources should be reintegrated with the Ministry of Environment, Science and Technology, Innovation, and then the Ministry of Environment, Science, Technology and Innovation. Uh, the Science, Technology and Innovation aspect can be integrated with the Ministry of Communication. I mean, all, all of these suggestions have been made, but it appears that government is really not looking at those. Well, uh, what, what happens uh, to people who do not sign up to, to the, D, the DDE uh, by the deadline, what happens to their monies? What 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 would they what what, what happened to them? Okay, so before I come to that, if you look at the expansion in our in our governance structures since 1992, you get the impression that it's not only this party. You get the impression that the two main political parties are more interested in building avenues to accommodate political patronage rather than actually building a future we all can be proud of. So they are more interested in how avenues that they can create and load on the public fair, such that they are able to accommodate the political uh, 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 patronage, political investors, rather than actually free space to invest in the, in, in, the, in the critical sectors of the economy where growth can be brought in. That is all that we are doing. And that is why governments come and they are creating layers of institutions, agencies, solely just to employ their own people. And it's the reason why today in Ghana, people don't want to go to the real sector of the economy and work hard and have the kind of lifestyle they want to have. Everybody wants to go and join the, the, the political uh, uh, trail, okay? So that when they are passing away, they get onto boards of institutions here and there and load their lifestyle on the ordinary Ghanaian to come and pay. 
That is something that this is a good crisis. If Ghana doesn't take advantage of this to, uh, to, 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 to act and demand and insist on lean government, not only in terms of central government, but more so, collapse some of the ministries, make some of them. In a, in a certain drastic reform, I am afraid we will do this debt restructuring mm. probably less than three, four years. We have to come back to the table again. Mm. Now, to, to, the, to those who, this, for institutions, it's a bit difficult because, for instance, if you look at how uh, from Bank of Ghana, they are restating the old bonds differently from the new one. Of course, you understand why they have participated in, in, in that. And then in terms of regulatory, what the pressure uh, has been. But when it comes to individual bondholders, we are talking about thousands of people and all of that. So it's not going to be easy for government to just say, you fail to sign up and therefore default is a logical outcome. No, there will be too much pressure on them. In fact, it, it, it will be a bit ungovernable if government contemplates that approach, right? And but do, do, you foresee, do you foresee government exempting the, the individual bondholders, given all the advocacy that has gone on, you know, in the past few weeks? I, I think enough argument has been made why bondholders, individual bondholders, should be excluded. Or perhaps a much fairer and, and more lenient terms should be offered to them. If government fails to buy into this, then I am sorry. I don't know what, what else we should say in order to get them to, 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 to appreciate the reality. But I'm hoping, because remember that this is just one of the adjustments we have to do as a country. There are other adjustments, austerity measures that we still have to implement. Remember PURC just announced adjustment to utility prices, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that, that they may be taking inspiration from the IMF program here to be approved because it will be one of the things that we have to do. Don't forget that there are revenue commitments and assurance that government has, 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 has committed itself to as part of the IMF program. So if the 2023 budget and its revenue measures does not deliver that intended revenue target, there may be other additional measures that will be implemented probably in the media review or so. Don't forget that the debt exchange, even in the final one that the banks have signed, would affect the profitability of the banks and the participating financial institutions, which in itself would also affect the revenue, the tax revenue that GRA will get from the financial sector this year. Remember, the financial sector is one of the, the highest-paying taxes to GRA revenue envelope. Okay, so uh, if you don't take it, sometimes you may be doing some of these things, and if you are not careful, you may end up with a zero-sum game. Could there be an effect of all of these the banks are signing up to on depositors, so that maybe at some time you go to the bank for your money and you are told stories? Could, could we get to that, given how the banks, for example, have agreed you know, to, to sign on to the program? Yes, typically, it will get to some point and it will affect the bank. It will affect the bank because if you look at the, their level of exposure, especially the local banks, well, some foreign banks saw the signs quite early 
and started reducing their exposure in government securities. So some have a better balance sheet to go through this than other banks. So you see differentiation in terms of the level of exposure. But of course, um, at the end of the day, we do not we don't want to create panic in the system that this signing up would create some liquidity problems and, and such banks may, may suffer a run. No bank is prepared for a bank run. Okay, when we saw a run on the city in October, we saw what happened. And therefore, we must still preserve stability and confidence in the system. But I think it will help a bit more if government will, be, will, will take the necessary steps and, and have some expenditure cut as a way of building ownership also in the debt exchange and the IMF program yet to be implemented, yet to be approved. Very well. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Godfred Bopping, economist with the University of Ghana. Thank you so much for, for sharing your insight with us on this matter. And uh, government has just released a statement, a joint uh, statement or press release uh, signed jointly by the finance minister, Colonel Furata, on behalf of government and Winston Nelson Jr. on behalf of the Ghana Securities Industries Association. Uh, so they have reached a deal and let me read portions. So let me just read the entire thing for you quickly. So government reaches agreement with the Ghana Securities Industry Association on the domestic debt exchange program. Uh, the government of Ghana um, and the Ghana Securities Industry Association have reached an understanding on the terms of for participating uh, participation by capital market operators in the domestic debt exchange program. Uh, the agreement entails a extending the improved terms of the domestic debt exchange program agreed with the banks to all GSIA members. B, collective investment schemes and individuals who hold bonds in trust accounts with Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission approved firms uh, would be offered any enhanced commercial terms agreed with or exemptions granted to individual bondholders. C, government commits to providing support to GSAIA members impacted by the DDEP via both the liquidity and solvency window of the Ghana Fiscal Financial, Ghana Financial Stability Fund. Uh, D, the removal of all clauses in the exchange memorandum that empowers the Republic to, at its sole discretion, vary the terms of the exchange. Uh, three, as a GSAI believes this agreement is necessary to restore market normalcy and confidence in the economy. GSAIA urges its members to seek all required internal approvals and clients consent to participate in the DDEP per the new terms in the updated exchange uh, memorandum. Four, with this agreement, government has concluded negotiations with another significant group of bondholders. Government views uh, this progress as very important towards restoring macroeconomic stability as we reset the economy on a path of strong growth and economic transformation. Signed jointly by Kenofurata and Winston Nelson Jr., Ghana Industries Association, Association uh, uh, Ghana Security Industries Association. And as we told you earlier, three key groups have now signed on to the DDEP, um, the Association of Banks, the Ghana Insurance Association, and then as we just read to you, the Securities Industry Association. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM will take a short break, return, and then tell you what has happened to the Yellow CC Wache uh, food poisoning incident. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. 
Now, the Food and Drugs Authority, FDA, has begun investigating the death of five persons at OEB in the Greater Accra region after they reportedly consumed a popular delicacy, wachi, last Friday. City news sources indicate the victims, after consuming the food from the popular yellow sisi bush canteen, complained of stomach ache and were subsequently admitted at various hospitals around OEB. The five persons reported dead include a pregnant woman and a lotto vendor. While 40 other persons who consume the food are also receiving treatment. Here are some of the victims speaking to City News. Last Friday, I went and buy wache at Yellow Sisi, the junction there. So when I ate it, around, I bought it at 11 o'clock in the morning. Around 10 o'clock p.m., my stomach was... I was running, so I don't understand. I talked to my mom, and she gave me some medicine, so it calmed down some for some time. But still, it was not good. So that time, I did not take it seriously. Like so Sunday morning, and my mother asked me, and I said, still, I'm still running, and she took me to the hospital. So when we went to the hospital, and they give us some drip, Yes, and I was okay, and we come back home. But still, when I take the medicine, I still feel the pain in my stomach. Yes, so the run and the now and there is okay. Last Friday morning, and let's say as I buy the food, none of the food anything. So around by through going, I started feel pain, be running and things. So me, for me, that think we just normal things. I come on, I with the chop, so maybe be running to my so let me go and buy corundium. As I buy the corundium, still another thing they come and see which I this one they no be uh, no be running matter. So it be the poor, maybe be the food we are go buy which I they bring me that problem. So my brother sent to hospital and Charlie. Around what time were you sent to the hospital? Two o'clock. And when you got to the hospital, what was the situation and how were you actually admitted? Um, the hospital there, Charlie, plenty of people there. For me, sir, I go meet plenty of people for there. They were complaining the same, Charlie. We are go by watching and blah, blah, blah. I'm so, okay. Charlie, meet with this. As I do the hospital for me, then I, I make weak. I make weak. Where the thing where they put for my top and everything, like I don't see. The next day, we try to say, Charlie, the guy, they feel okay. So, uh, I think I come out in the maybe four days. We actually, I come out. Those were some persons who suffered from stomach ache after eating from a popular delicacy, wachi at OEB in Accra. The husband of the wachi seller who spoke to City News on condition of anonymities expressed shock at the incident. The food and drugs people call on Sunday. That Monday they will be coming here. And the same Sunday, the police also call that Monday they will need them to come and take statement. And then they will told them that the food and drugs will be coming. So in this case, what food sample are they taking? Is it that of the Friday? The, Do you have a leftover food? No. It's what the, are they taking? The leftover, f- the, the, some of the stew mm-hmm. that remains, uh, sometimes they keep it there. Okay. So... Uh, the police came. I don't know whether there was a leftover. Wache. Was no. there a leftover Wache? So no, in this case, Wache is finished. Yes. What the police is relying on is the cheetah yes. and the steel. Yes. That's what I want to be clear with. So that one they took. Okay. 
I don't know whether I am not sure whether the police took that one or the next day that they went there that they took the Saturday they cooked again okay. and then uh, that day nobody had any problem the food got finished remained small then the police got there to 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 I don't know whether it's arrest or to let them respond to them so they took them with the small food that was left the two rich people those who were selling yes. Okay. That was the Saturday, you know, those people were all sick, so they could not go. That was the husband of the owner of Yellow CC Bush Canteen in Accra speaking to City News. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. An economist, Professor Godfred Bobkin, says it is crucial for government to adjust its fiscal measures, otherwise it will have no justification to include individual bondholders in the domestic debt exchange program. The government is currently negotiating for a $3 billion support from the International Monetary Fund, and as part of the measures, it has introduced a debt restructuring program to enable it to revamp the alien economy. There have been numerous calls, especially by civil society organizations, for the government to cut down on its huge expenditure. The Individual Bondholders Forum, who wants government to exclude them from the debt restructuring program, have proposed some fiscal measures to help government save $83.5 billion. Speaking to City Business News, Professor Godfred Bobkin called on government to heed the calls and cut down its expenditure. If the government fails to, then they, they wouldn't have the moral right to actually include individual bondholders, especially. And the moral baggage in they forcing this debt restructuring down the truth of even banks, practically, and non-bank financial institutions will continue to hunt us for so many years to come. But I think it will not end here. The reason I'm saying that it will not end here is that the IMF program itself is yet to be opened. We are yet to see the details. So with, with all the austerity staring at us in the next two, three, four years or so, government cannot continue to say they will not do anything about this expenditure cut proposal. It will be too hard for them. So I suspect that it's also going to be a strategy. Would government want to lessen the pressure by excluding individual bondholders and just go along with the, the financial institutions or they will be, they will be strong on, on, on their point that individual bondholders should be included. I think under this current circumstance, we can we can safely exclude individual bondholders and do some expenditure cuts to offset the gap. Professor Godfred Bobkin is an economist. Now the Central Securities Depository CSD is honoring all domestic debt exchange requests made by individual bondholders. This comes after the Joint Technical Committee, which constitutes representation from the individual bondholders and the Ministry of Finance, presented its report. The convener of the individual bondholders, Senor Husi, who disclosed this, has been speaking to City Business News. 
what this means is that don't feel distressed that you may have accepted the DBE when it was initially offered well ahead of you actually understanding or knowing the fact. You are free and able to withdraw the initial acceptance. All you have to do is go to your bank and tell them you do not want to participate in a DBE anymore. We have circulated a wedding for you to send a mail to your bank if you don't go there physically. To process your request, it will go to the CSD. The CSD will pass that on to the issuer of, or the proposer of this entire program, which remains government. Senor Hosi is a convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum. Finally, the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, GIPC, Yofi Grant, is urging countries in Africa to proffer new strategies to attract foreign direct investment. He maintains that changing demands, the changing demands of the global economy should compel Africans to take advantage of the new trade partnerships that exist to transform the development agenda of the continent. He made this comment at the first annual assembly of Africa Investment Promotion agencies in Accra. Truth of the matter, and as we all said, and many philosophers have said it before, we cannot wait for others to develop us. We must develop ourselves. The conversations between African presidents, African business people, African academics, must happen on our shores and on our soil. The opportunities that exist in Africa create real, real opportunities for wealth creation and for increasing our trade. FDI may not be the panacea for all our problems, but it's generally important, if not critical, because it brings fresh capital, it brings technology, and it brings skills, but it also brings markets as well. And as we speak about how to position ourselves as investment promotion agencies, we also need to look at the impact we will have on intracontinental trade. And that is why the issue of regionalization is important. That was the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, GIPC, Yofi Grant. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashi Kasiza. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome back to the Point Blank segment on Eyewitness News. My name is Salom Adonu. Tonight on Point Blank, former President John Dramani Mahama has been speaking. He says he's not against the debt restructuring program currently being implemented by government, but he's against absence of dialogue or consultation. In an address at the Chatham House in London, the former president says Ghana needed to restructure its debt to revive the economy, but lamented a wrong procedure adopted by the finance minister, which he says has led to the massive rejection of the program by individual bondholders. 
and various labor unions. According to Mr. Mahama, the government failed to heed numerous pieces of advice opposition party on cutting down borrowing and spending scarce resources the way they did. So let's listen to him. The first order of business for a new NDC administration will be to restore macroeconomic stability and ensure fiscal prudence while generating employment for many of our young people who are unsure of what the future holds for them. Though the current economic distress is largely self-inflicted, it is very clear that unless we act to insulate ourselves from these factors, whatever gains that are made going forward will unravel because of the existing structural weaknesses. The National Democratic Congress, the NDC, which is my party, therefore commits itself to immediate structural reforms based on a national dialogue and forging a broad national consensus that will lead to the diversification of our economy and its production base and the attraction of investment into industry, farming, agribusiness, the digital sector, and tourism. We are determined to process our natural resources like cocoa, gold, bauxite, oil, copper, while we build more robust capacity to respond to global energy shocks. I invite you to look favorably at Ghana again because there is hope ahead. I also urge you to partner Africa as we confront the challenges posed by climate change, emerging disease, terrorism, and cybercrime in order to build a safer world. Our borders are borderless because of globalization. Therefore, we must stand in support of one another. As we look into the near future with optimism, there are instant solutions that must be found to the crippling economic crisis which has left a dark pall hanging over Ghana now. At a continental level, I want to reiterate my international advocacy for a reinstitution and extension of the Debt Service Suspension Initiative, the DSSI, to afford countries like ours some limited fiscal respite. I will similarly call for an expansion of the common framework for debt treatments beyond DSSI to help African countries access debt restructuring tools and mechanisms. I've also had calls to state elsewhere, and I'll repeat that the same, that the time has come for an African version of the Marshall Plan. I note and applaud the Global Gateway Program of the European Union that seeks to mobilize over 300 billion euros over the next seven years for infrastructure in Africa and the rest of the developing world. If Africa is to survive and be a source of hope for the rest of the world, then Africa as an imperative must speedily harness the the advantages it has to ensure inclusive growth for all its people. With a continent boasting the world's largest free trade area, along with an over 1 billion person market, Africa is prime, as reported by the World Bank, to carve out a new developmental pathway. Under the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, 55 countries with a combined GDP of over $3.4 trillion will work together to present major opportunities for shared growth and prosperity for Africa and the rest of the world. I expect the AFCTFA not to de-emphasize the prospects of small and medium enterprises as we promote new markets and encourage foreign investments. 
Small and medium enterprises have sustained Africa and will continue to do so for a long while to come. African continental free trade area will also need the support of the African Union for greater integration to allow for greater labor mobility across Africa to support countries in need of critical human resource. And the African continental free trade area must not allow businesses with political connections to be prioritized over real captains and champions of industry. Neither must innovations from the youth suffer because of lack of political connections. All hope is not lost for Africa. Africa, including my country, Ghana, has strategic priorities and is ready and willing to play its role in the global community. To conclude, it is also of critical importance that regional blocs like ECOWAS, SADC, EAC, SEMAC, the Arab Maghreb Union, and the African Union must be empowered to have a firmer grip on their member nations to ad address regional, continental, and global challenges. Other international bodies like the EU, the Tana High Level Forum for Security in Africa, which I have the privilege of chairing, must provide the needed support, including oversight and scrutiny of activities likely to lead to serious crises. I stress on this point of oversight because we have observed that the laxity in supervision and oversight has given free reign to some leaders on the continent to wreak constitutional tyranny on their people, with some of them going as far as changing their country's constitutions so that they can run for extended terms of office. No single country in Africa can on its own attain the highest level of development when surrounded by neighboring countries engaged in conflict. It is therefore important that there is stability and sustained development in Africa which will help lead to global security and prosperity. With the right steps and visionary leadership as well as a willingness to dig deep and find innovative solutions to the decades-old challenges, we must emerge a stronger force, a stronger continent to reckon with. And um, Ghana needs to do a debt restructuring to be able to uh, uh, go into a program. Um, what has been the contention is a lack of dialogue and consultation with the debt holders on the domestic side. I know currently negotiations are taking place with the bondholders on the external side. Not the same treatment with domestic bondholders. Government feels it can just ride short over them. So one fine Sunday night, we all relaxed at home, and then we had the uh, finance minister you know, um, uh, address the debt restructuring and announce um, how it was going to be done. Zero percent in 2023, five percent in 2024, and after that, 19 percent in 2017, and then going all the way till 2035 without any consultation. I have been an advocate for dialogue. Before this whole crisis started, I advised the government, I said, hold a national dialogue on the economy. State what the state of, give what the state of the economy is and let everybody buy into it and understand. And then after that, seek a broad consensus behind your economic pro program. This suggestion was never taken. And then what we expected to happen actually happened. We had kept raising the red flag since 2019 about government's reckless borrowing program going onto the uh, Eurobond market every year for $3 billion 
and not investing it in the productive uh, uh, sectors of the economy, most of that money being used for consumption. And that is what has ended us where we are. And after you've recklessly mismanaged the economy, you don't want to make the same sacrifices. You're asking the people to make all the sacrifices. Sacrifice your bond, I'll pay you in 15 years. How do you know the person will live till 15 years? <laughs> and yet, correspondingly, government expenditure is increasing. One would have thought that in this crisis, you're not going to increase your debt in this budget by 82 billion over last year. 2023 budget has seen government expenditure increase by 82 billion over 2022. That is not a government that is serious about making the same sacrifices. It is asking the people to, to do. And that is our concern with this uh, debt restructuring program. Apart from that, you don't let the driver who run you into a ditch after you've managed to pull the, the car out of the ditch, see him sit behind the wheel again. And, I mean, the majority itself, members of the MPP, have said, take this finance minister out. Bring somebody who the public will have more faith in, and because he didn't create the crisis, they will be better able to have a negotiation and sit down with this person and negotiate in good faith. But the one who's caused the problem is the one you're asking to negotiate with bondholders for a debt restructuring. So that is our concern with, with the debt restructuring. Of course, government has applied for debt relief under the G20 debt treatment. We, we had thought that they would take advantage of the DSSI at the time it was announced, but because they did not want to be shut out from the international capital market, wanted to continue borrowing, they refused to access the DSSI. And that is what has led, now the international capital market is shut to you anyway. If you had undertaken the DSSI, it would have suspended your debt service and given you fiscal space. Probably would have been able to maneuver out of the situation in which we are. But they refused, and the same result that you were trying to avoid being shut out of the market has happened. You've been downgraded to junk status. Ghana's credit is a junk status on the garbage heap. Nobody is going to lend you money. And so unless we get the benevolence of the IMF to shore up our reserves with the three billion loan and hold the headmaster stick over us to let people know that we're behaving ourselves properly in school, then <laughs> our economy is, is, is in tatters. And so that's the, 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 the problem. What we would have done differently, I would have not borrowed as recklessly as they did. We would have borrowed prudently and would have taken better management of, would have taken better management of our finances. I'll give you an example. In the election year of 2016, we faced an election and we're going onto the bond market to borrow, to uh, cover some of our expenditures. We went for 750 million in 2016. And at the time, I remember in cabinets, our finance minister, here said, several of our cabinet colleagues said, no, but this is our election year. Why are you going for only 750 million? And of course, the offers we received when we floated the 750 million were close to 2 billion. And some of our colleagues said, why don't you take all the 2 billion? We need the money, you know, because it's an election year. And I remember that day, had, <laughs> he was in cabinet. 
there was a fierce argument and I had to protect my finance minister <laughs> because he had explained to me that look, we need to borrow with prudence so that we don't overheat the economy and, 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 and balloon the debt. And so we took only 750 million in an election year. You know, and it's the prudence in economic management. And that was the second year of the IMF program. The third year of the IMF program extended into the new administration's period. They went on the market, even while they were in an IMF program, for in excess of $2 billion. And after that, it was $3 billion, $3 billion, $3 billion every year. And that is what has ended us uh, where we are. And so um, I do think that the debt restructuring, there should be more dialogue. I noticed that the period has been extended. I think this is about the third time. And one wonders if we'll be able to meet that deadline by the end of uh, January. And the point is, the longer it delays, the more the danger that we'll not be able to uh, go to the IMF board when it meets uh, somewhere towards the spring. And so this thing must be speeded up. And the only way it can be speeded up if the finance minister climbs down his high horse and is prepared to sit with the bondholders and discuss it and reach a consensus. Off the top of their heads, they say, we want a 30% haircut. One, you need to look at the whole debt, the structure of the debt, you disaggregate it, external, domestic. Then you must do a stress test and look at what the optimum debt relief you want is and in what period of time. And when you've done that, then you have a certain figure in mind. I don't know if that's how come they came up with 30%. But then the final figure would be based on negotiations with the creditors. And according to the rules, if you get 60% uh, buy-in, then it shows goodwill that you'll be able to complete the negotiation. If you get, but you need 80% of people to agree that, yes, this is the way to go. We'll extend the tenure uh, of our debt to 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. I mean, I don't know what the outcome of the negotiations will be. But to just say... Uh, 30%. I don't know what research went into it. If I were in charge, I would have more figures. And that's the problem with uh, uh, this government. It's not transparent. They're not sharing information with anybody. How they reach that figure, nobody knows. You know, they just sit in the finance ministry and, you know, come up with any figures they want. And um, they just uh, try to ram it down everybody's throat, unfortunately. Because there's a price to pay for aloofness. There's a saying that uh, for those who, I've forgotten what exactly it is, but for uh, uh, those who refuse to participate in uh, governance or something, uh, the price they pay is to be ruled by fools. So you heard from our president, John Dramani Mahama, speaking at the Chatham House uh, today in London. This is how we conclude today's edition of the program. But before we go, a statement has just been um, released by the FDA regarding their investigations into the foodborne disease outbreak in OEB. And I read portions of that to you quickly. 
So the Food and Drugs Authority, FDA, received notification through its food safety alert system on Sunday, 22nd January 2023, on a suspected foodborne disease outbreak, which was reported to have occurred at OEB within the Adenta municipality in the Greater Accra region. In line with the Food Safety Emergency Response Plan, a joint investigation with the Ghana Health Service started immediately. Investigations revealed that a total of 53 people experienced symptoms of foodborne disease after consuming wache or plain rice and tomato stew from a food vendor called Yellow Sisi, located at Bush County, a suburb of uh, Oyibi. So far, one person has been reported dead, but the exact cause of the death is yet to be confirmed. Environmental assessment of the food preparation site located at Malejo and the three vending sites at Bush Canteen, Prison Joint and Sharp Curve Joint revealed poor food handling practices which could have resulted in a contamination of the food leading to the foodborne disease outbreak. It continues to say that the FDA has suspended its operations of Yellow CC until measures have been put in place to ensure that their activities are brought into compliance to prevent future occurrence. The FDA launched a street food vending scheme in November 2021 in conjunction with the Metropolitan Municipal and District Assemblies. The scheme, which was developed under the FAO um, Health, Healthy Street Food Initiative project, aims at issuing comp- compliant vendors with a street food vending permit. Consumers must therefore insist on seeing these permits in their favorite eateries before patronizing their services. We strongly urge street food vendors to apply for the permit. Uh, so this was signed by the Chief Executive Officer of the uh, Food and Drugs Authority. Uh, so that's some information coming through. Initially, we heard some four people have died, but the statement said only one person has died, and they, they, are, they are still investigating the cause of death. Well, that's how we conclude this edition of the program. Uh, it's been live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. The show has been produced by Beverly London and Sami Riafi. Uh, with technical assistance by Daniel Squashi. Uh, earlier you heard Nashika Caesar. My name is Salom Adonu. Keep listening to City FM. Have a good evening. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.